0: Okay, now remember when I start talking, hello everybody, you need to get that screen on me and it's not the right one, I don't think. I think this one needs to be on me. So, keep working and uh, get me on all of them and then it won't be an issue. Hello, I'm going to keep going while they figure this out. They're almost there. It's just the opposite of what you're doing now. There we go. And, uh, now I'm everywhere, but but that's okay. Really, you can't, can you get too much of me, really? Oh, that's not good. Don't do that. Just leave it right where it's at. It's perfect. Uh, all you really need to probably do is, is center me a little. I feel off-center. Maybe I'm not. Am I, am I centered? See, I can do this thing, and I tell you I'm not centered. Wait, wait, don't touch the camera. I've got it. Figured out. There we go. Welcome to Vineyard Community Church. We are studying through the New Testament together, and I am uh, now we are now in the book of Mark up to chapter six, and we're making great progress. Uh, after we finish Mark, we're going to skip one book, we're going to do John after this one, and then we're going to come back and do Luke and Acts together. All right, so that's the plan if you're, if you're reading ahead, although you uh, move out whatever. Mark chapter six. We've been looking at Mark. Remember, the Gospels are all different. There's four Gospels, and they're written to target different audiences. Mark, in particular, is written to target a Roman audience. And the Romans are impressed with power. And so his Gospel jumped right out without a lot of the uh, background or the bio of the other uh, chapters uh, of the other writers uh, of Matthew, in particular. But he got right into sort of the heart of the ministry of Jesus demonstrating his, not only his power but his authority um, as he preached and, and then demonstrated the kingdom of God. He said that the kingdom of God was upon us and, and then he demonstrated it by the, the miracles, the signs and the wonders and he continues to do that in these chapters. Remember, the kingdom is God's rule, his reign, uh, his right to rule and that's here now that, and Jesus was introducing to uh, all of us again what relationship with God was intended to be and that he's coming because it has become something far different at this point in history. And uh, it had become about rules and regulations and, and uh, an increasing amounts of rules and regulations and that the, the ruling religious sort of faction of the day, um, the Pharisees, who had started with good intent um, to protect... Judaism, from being Hellenized by the Greeks, had uh, sort of morphed into this hundreds of laws, rituals, and practices, and and people couldn't get to God. And Jesus came to straighten things out. And we've seen, and we'll see again today, um, his his compassion demonstrated not only his power and authority, but his compassion for people. Because uh, God hadn't been presented as a compassionate God for a long time. Um, he had become sort of this taskmaster, who you uh, worked to uh, somehow try and appease. And the reason it's so important for us to grasp this is that it's it's not didn't just happen then. It happens all the time. This um, this sort of shifting into rules and regulations instead of relationship. For whatever reason, we sort of gravitate to rules and. Somehow it's just we think it's easier. Well, if I know the rules, then that's what I'm going to do. And yet, relationship with God is living and active and alive and led by the Spirit, and And it's to be an adventure, and it's to be a part of life. And And so it's not to become something that we can put rules around and throw into a box and say, well, this is my religious life. My, uh, it, what it needs to be is my relationship with, with God in Christ is is, you know, it's amazing. It, it's, uh, it's always something new. It's an exciting. It's an adventure. He, he leads me, and, and I try and follow. And, and sometimes I mess up, and I ask him to forgive me, and he does. And he gives me a new start, and I, I move along again. And and he wants me to do the things that he did. And he wants me to go and, and, and be a witness to his power. And he wants me to pray for people when I see a need. He wants me to, to, to bless them and, and to ask to ask God to heal them. And and to expect that He will, uh, and to live in that tension of faith, knowing that Jesus has inaugurated the kingdom, that He's going to bring it to fulfillment when He comes back. And so this is the the process that we engage in, and we have to uh, know the the gospels to see the the ministry that Jesus has laid out for us. And and maybe we get a little overwhelmed because we see the things that Jesus do, and we think, well, we can't do that. But you know, Jesus, led by the Spirit, did these things, and He said, so will we. And so. Um, we sometimes limit ourselves by thinking, well, you know, I can't do that. And, and yet, if we're open and obedient and listen to the Lord, you'll be amazed at the things that God will have you do throughout your life. Uh, sometimes we try and get out there in ourselves, and we'd like to do, I'd like to say, everybody we prayed for, have this happen and then have it. That doesn't always work. And, and if we're not careful, we get discouraged and think, well, it doesn't matter. What difference does it make? And yet, it makes a significant difference. And we're to continue praying. And we're to continue asking God to move in people's lives to the point of being willing to say, God, you know, uh, if I had to pray for a thousand to see one healed or changed, it's worth it for the one. And, and so we we continue to press on on this understanding. Well, um, we've we've been reading and, and continue, we'll continue to read about the things that Jesus does. And Mark six is kind of interesting um, in its own right. There's some neat things that happen. There's some there's some. There's rather, there's, a, there's sort of a gruesome story in the middle of Mark 6 that we'll read, and I'll, I'll try and tell you why it sort of shows up there. And um, I think sometimes we, we forget how violent um, life can be. And we might read the story and we sort of gloss over it, but it's a truly violent part of the story, but, but we'll get to it. Um, so let's go ahead and read Mark chapter 6. There's 56 verses. Um, you should have them in your outline. Uh, and if not, uh, you've brought your Bibles, and you can turn to Mark chapter 6 there, or you could open one of the Bibles that are in the rows, or you could just let me read it to you with my melodic tones this evening. Now there's a lot of pressure. Mark 6, beginning in verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown among his relatives and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he is Elijah. And still others claimed he is a prophet like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, It is not lawful to you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing to him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. The king said to the girl, Ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, "'Whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom.' She went out and said to her mother, "'What shall I ask for?' "'The head of John the Baptist,' she answered. At once the girl hurried into the king with a request, "'I want you to give me right now "'the head of John the Baptist on a platter.' The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So he immediately sent in an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. That's the gruesome thing that I was talking about. Hopefully you picked that up, okay? <laughs> he prese- she on, on hearing of this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles gathered round Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So He began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so His disciples came to Him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down on groups, in groups on green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate fish sandwiches and were satisfied. And the, oh, I added that. I'm sorry. He also created the tartar sauce and one thousand heads of lettuce <laughs> and a tasty batter. No. We're not supposed to do that. I apologize. (laughs) The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them I'm sorry, I think that's funny. (laughs) See you guys over there. (laughs) They're just working on the oars. Do you get the picture? All right, never mind. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. And then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. And they were completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay. So, there's some neat stuff in Mark chapter 6. And uh, again, Jesus is making, or Mark is making known Jesus' power and authority. Um, and by this time, as Mark is writing the story, Jesus' ministry is pretty well established. Um, we've seen the miracles. We've, we've heard of the crowds. We've, we've seen and read about the stuff that he's been doing. His ministry has been going on for some time now. And he finally goes... To his, back to his hometown in Nazareth. And, and see, here's what I think we need to get from this chapter. The issue now, because Jesus' power and authority is established, um, he, he is who he said he is, he, he's done what he's done, established throughout history. The issue then becomes that, that people either hear about what and who Jesus is and accept his message. Or they hear and they reject his message. That's pretty much the issue. And it's pretty much now the presenting issue in this chapter. And what I think is the sort of the thread of the chapter is that um, here's an opportunity to respond to Jesus. And the one overriding thing about it all is faith. And, and who's going to respond in faith and who isn't? And, and what takes place in the process. And so Mark begins to write about reactions that people have as they encounter Jesus. And and I think they're, they're fascinating reactions because I think that they remind us of the reactions that people have now when they encounter Jesus. And their choices are the same. They either accept, believe and accept in faith, or they reject. Those Those are the two options. They have been for the last couple thousand years the options haven't changed you have two and and how when jesus impacts someone how different things can be and how differently people can perceive the same set of circumstances is fascinating all right so his ministry is well established he goes back to his hometown and he the sabbath comes and he teaches in the synagogue as it as it was his custom he would go in and he would teach in the synagogues. And you, you read in all the other encounters that when he teaches, the people are amazed at his teaching and the people are amazed again. But this time it's a different amazement because it has this, this funny thing that happens because their, their amazement is an amazement based in faith. It's an amazement based in doubt because listen to what they say. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the scrawny little kid that grew up down the street? Don't we know his brothers and his sisters? And, and this is the attitude. Who does he think he is to come in here and try and teach us? Who's this guy? Where did, where did he get this from and who does he think he is? And the, here's the big thing. They took offense at him. That's huge. Although a lot of people take offense at Jesus because the, the gospel message is kind of offensive. Um, in some ways the the the, the confronting reality that we 're all sinners is something that a lot of people don 't want to address well oh, i 'm not a sinner you ever i 've had this discussion with lots of people who don 't think they qualify no i 'm a good person and I, and I have to say Kanye, why I believe that you 're a good person, but you 're still a sinner no i 'm not i 'm a good person and, and they have this idea that it 's a weight and measure thing i 've done more good stuff than bad stuff, and that 's how it works and i 'm like well where did you get that theory it 's that's just, you know, your idea. That's not, where do you get that from? It's not what the Bible says. And, you know, if you, if you get the fact that you've done anything wrong, you've got an issue. But people don't want to hear that. See, and it's offensive. The message is offensive. You can't receive the message without being offended in your natural state. What do you mean, I'm a sinner? Now, some of you figured it out really good. Then you go, oh, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. But, and that's a good thing. But, but maybe you didn't at first. You know what I mean? Psh, I'm not a sinner. Dude, you know, I used to be... When you, when you used to do stuff that you shouldn't have been doing, did you always look around for somebody that was doing it worse than you? So you could feel better about it? You know, most of you know my history. It's been a long time, but I used to do a lot of drugs. And, and I had my standards, though. I never shot drugs. Ever. I did just about everything else you could do with them. But I wouldn't use a, a needle thing... Because to me, those people were a mess. <laughs> how stupid is that? But, but oh, see, so I had my, swell. They're, they're bad people. Hey, how do they do that? So, so we're, see, we're looking for that. But, but in, an, in and of itself, coming to the place, when you're confronted with the message of Jesus, you either accept it or you reject it. And it can be offensive to people. Well, because it it goes against everything that they want to believe, and most of the time, a lot of people reject the message because they really don't want to change, and they don't want to be told that they they should do certain things. And I always try and tell them, you know, the Bible isn't about what you can't do; it's about what you should do, what you can do, and the things that are no in the Bible are for your protection, not to steal life away from you. They're to keep your soul intact. If there's a no in the book, it's so that your soul remains intact, because that's all God cares about. He's not a cosmic killjoy. Who's who is is trying to make you you know work your way through by being miserable? It's not how it works. Anyway, the the people that knew him heard him and they began to resent him, and and so so great was their lack of faith that he couldn't he couldn't do anything there. He he left. Okay, they just rejected. Just get out. We don't want to know you. And and so there, there's something that. We need to be careful because now well, that's quite a story. But, but, you know, sometimes I think we can become so familiar with how we do things that we think God always does things this way. And, and if Jesus really shows up, we get offended. Do you think that can happen? I do. Well, that's not how we do it. If he's doing it, okay. Anyway, it's all part of the process. That's what they felt. So I can relate to what they felt, but that's how it happens. So that's the first six verses. Then um, in verses 7 through 13, he sends out the 12, and he gives them specific instructions, and and he sends them out at different times with different instructions. This time it was like, basically, don't take a whole lot with you, and go, I'm going to give you authority to do stuff I've been demonstrating to you, because that's what Jesus' model, he did it. His disciples watched, he taught them how to do it, and he said, now you go do it. And then they would come back and report to them, and he would readjust whatever he needed to readjust with them and send them out again. And and ultimately, this was the model for all of us. He sends us out to do these very same things. Go in, in my authority and do these things. And again, everywhere they went, people had the same option. They could either accept or they could reject. And Jesus said they'll either do one or the other. They'll accept your message or they'll reject your message. And if they reject it, then dust your feet off and move along because people are going to do it. My, my hunch to you is that they were... They were smacking their shoes off a lot. Okay. (laughs) That's another town. And and yet, there were places where they were received, and that continues to happen again. But it's the encounters that happen. Now, verses 14 through 29 was a story about Herod, and and I think a fascinating story, uh, because I think Mark uses it to point out the difference between belief and faith. And and there's a a difference um, that's significant, because... You know, belief, which is a realization that certain things are true, is different than faith. And I want to try and explain it this way. Since it's not enough to believe the right things. A person must commit himself to do the right things. See, that's the faith part of it. And and in this story, see, a person has to, has to trust God enough to, to believe that He exists and that it's God's opinion that counts and that, that his will has to guide ours. See, that's faith that comes into it. So I know that God is, and a lot of people will say they know God, but faith then is, but I'm, so I'm going to trust my life to you, I'm going to try and do what you tell me to do, because you're God, and that's what you want me to do. Now, in this story of Herod, see, the problem is Herod is far more concerned about what the people think than doing the right thing. See, he reads, when you read through this story, he knew that John was a holy man and a righteous man. That's why he, he was afraid to mess with him he didn't because he knew it wasn't the right thing to do and and it's funny he had him in prison but he had him there because he liked to listen to him he liked what he you know he and John's message was repentance so uh, Herod at some level liked it but see so he believed you get the idea he believed in the concept but he he didn't have faith in who it was and to me it's a it's a parallel with what happened with Jesus see a lot of people believe they say then Jesus is who he says he is but then they don't follow through with faith and make the decisions to choose to do what he's calling them to do and they 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 reject the message and so there's a difference and 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 there, there's this subtle difference between belief and faith what here's here's the difference ultimately what God thinks is what matters not what people think it's a huge difference but if we live our lives Knowing what we should do and yet constantly being swayed by what everybody else is doing instead of what He wants us to do, that's, that's a problem. And I think that's what Mark's talking about. Um, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, the Bible says in Hebrews. Um, in Mark six thirty through 44, we again see Jesus demonstrating His compassion for people. That everybody's tired. He's tired. The guys are tired. Let's get away. And the people run to where they're going. They can't catch a break. And yet Jesus feels bad for them because they're so... Like, they've been so unshepherded for so long. The, the people that were called to shepherd them haven't. And, and so he has compassion for them, and, and he provides miraculously for them um, food, um, lots of food. Uh, and probably, you know, better meal than most of them had in a long time. Fish and bread and plenty. It was, there was no lack. And, and he, he supernaturally makes this happen. Now, the, the last little story fascinates me as well because of something that, that is, Mark records in the Gospel. And he says something in verse 51 that, that makes that whole thing stand out to me. He um, says the disciples hadn't understood the miracle of the, the feeding because their hearts were hardened. I, I don't know if you've ever caught that before. But these are his guys. These are the guys that are hanging with him, that are watching everything that he does. That are with him all the time, who've heard, who've believed, who've followed, who've gone and done the stuff that he sent them to do, and yet the miracle with the loaves, they just they didn't quite get it, and and then Jesus walking on the water scares them, and that little verse, and I kept thinking about that. Their hearts were hardened, and see, here's a problem that I think we have, and that he's pointing up there, um, living in this world, and and because it's fallen and broken I think all of our hearts get hardened and our hardened hearts often keep us from seeing God at work they they keep us from really seeing and knowing him and what he's doing and even when we're doing our, our, our utmost to follow after him I think we can still miss him pretty easily and we can miss some of the things we do because we we're quick to get our own ideas about how things should go. And I think the disciples were like, go tell them to go away. Go get fed. We're tired. We don't want to... Do Do you get the struggle? We don't want to do anymore. We had enough. We've been out. We've been doing it. We've been going, going, going. We just want a break. And we want to hang out and just eat and get some rest. And yet we're doing it again. And go send them somewhere to go get some food. And Jesus, no, you feed them. He's making his point. Guys, this this is it. This is what we're doing. We, we we care about people. The, the the system that's established doesn't care about people. The religious order of the day. We're just going to be just like them if we send them away and say, okay, you know, thanks for coming, but go and, and take care of yourselves, and we'll see you when we see you. And he's making the point that's not how we do this. If they're here because they want to be here, and and they they've come to, because they're they're drawn to to God, and and so we have compassion for them. We're going to minister to them, and they go, and, and now they're. Uh, they're tired and now they're stuck out in the boat and they're, they're just rowing. I have an idea they were complaining. Anybody want to wager? Can you believe, where's Jesus now? I can't believe it. Against the wind. And I think he's just going to pass them by. He don't want to hear it. <laughs> you know, Jesus is about to pass by. Well, I'm not going to them guys. They're complaining about everything. And yet they see him and they freak out and, and they're terrified. And he says, it's okay guys, don't be discouraged. It's me, Don't don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Um, we have to be careful. I think the, the part of that story is: look, the, we always have to be checking our hearts because they get hardened quick. And we have to ask God to continue, Lord, soften my heart for you, and and for what you want, and, and for my purpose, and keep me soft. God, don't let me get, you know, tired and irritable and cranky and not care about anybody or anything. Lord, just keep my heart soft. And and uh, and and yet this hard this hard world hardens our hearts. Um, you know, that story about John the Baptist being beheaded and his head being served on a platter, that's gruesome and violent. And yet I realized as I read it, because I'd read it so many times, I just sort of read it over it like it was in a, you know, a, 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 and I, it stopped me. and I'm like, man, I must be really getting hard because that's horrendous. And so we have to be careful of, of hardening of our hearts. And even his disciples had to be aware that it could happen. And, uh, and so keeping our hearts soft before God will allow us to know him and to continue to grow in him. And that's enough for Mark chapter 6. If you have prayer requests filled out, why don't you pass them up to me? I'll pray for you. If you're watching my video, they'll pray for you in the uh, venue in Williston. Or you can call us or write us I'd be happy to pray for you. God bless you. We're going to pray for everybody here that has prayer requests.